Welcome back to Brain Body Movement, the podcast for those interested in everything nutrition, training, and mindset. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Brock. Today's episode was a Q&A where we answered four questions that got sent to us through social media. Question number one, what foods do you recommend eating to lose fat? Question number two, why are you so anti-cardio? Question number three, how do I stay on track when going to gatherings? Question number four, how do I get my first push-up? That was in the back half of the show, and in the front half, we spoke about nutrition, training, and relevant events. All right, enjoy the show. Hey, right, Brocky boy. What's going on, mate? It's, it's, it's been a while since we've uh, actually caught up on things training and nutrition. So yeah, hit me, hit me with what's been happening with the, the big Bradley Dapper. Oh, mate. I, um, probably the last few weeks, I've kind of been a bit flat with everything, just a bit of stress. And so I've kind of not pulled out, but just kept, kept my um, numbers around the same. I don't want to push it too hard because... Um, I know that if I if I push it too hard, that I might hurt myself. So I've kind of pulled pulled the brakes on with the lifting real heavy at the moment, and same with the the fat loss phase. Just want to get in the right mindset before I before I start again. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting I'm sitting pretty with like what three three and a half kilos down. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with that for the last couple of months. Um, but I getting getting down to you know sub ten percent you really need to get into it. So I want to be in the right headspace before I stress my body out even more into body fat levels where it's really hard to get to. Um, so that's that's in that area. And then, yeah, with like I said, with my lifting, just just not feeling it at the moment. Could be because I was in the deficit as well. Um, could also be just other things going on. Um, so right now I'm just 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 pulling, pulling the brakes off, just going through the motions um, and then see how I go in the next month or two and then I can put up some hopefully put up some big numbers or go go to that sub 10% um, but I see you've been absolutely smashing the <laughs> smashing the numbers and it's making me like oh can I do it I'm like no, no no I've got to just I've got to listen to my own body and not try and <laughs> chase after you because you've been absolutely smashing it and I see um, a lot of a lot of food as well you've been hitting and then um and then obviously you get some big numbers. So you want to share with the listeners what you've been doing? Yeah, man. I uh, I just finished up my uh, my bulk. So as of yesterday, well, technically Sunday, I've started a little fat loss phase. But before that, I have never felt stronger in mm. my entire life. There's a strong correlation between how much I'm eating and the type of training I was doing. So I spent 12 weeks literally periodizing my training for this one week of let's just go and yeah, man, a 20 kilo PB on deadlift, like blew my mind, 250 kilos, 175 kilo squat, which is 15 kilo PB, um, 135 on the bench. Probably would have got 140 if I went for it first, but you don't hit them all. So yeah, threw up some massive numbers, 50 kilo dip, 40 kilo chin up. Yeah, I was stoked with that week. Got to Friday and it literally felt like a semi-trailer had run over my body though. So. <laughs> Did you do them all in one day? Did you? No, 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 no. Over the week. Well, so I did the I, I did chin up, squat, bench, deadlift, and then the dip on the Friday. Oh, okay. So each one day was it? Like testing day? Yep. Yeah, each one each one day. And yeah. <laughs> wrecked me a bit, but So what are you doing like a deload week? Uh yeah, I'm just I've fasted on Sunday and then I've pulled a thousand calories out of my diet, which I know will see instantaneous fat loss. Um and yeah, just just going more for mobility. Like I've completely changed my training. 
So I was doing nothing over five or six reps and now it's nothing under under eight and like upwards to 15, some even even 20 and rest periods are like halved. and yeah, It's a completely different style of training, but I'm just training to feel good and, and move my body, not to necessarily like make crazy strength gains or build a ton of muscle. It's, it's more about mobility and, and movement. So tib bar raises, ATG split squats, all the all the fun stuff. Yeah, all, all the stuff yeah. that um, not many people do, and lats. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's good. It's good to do though after a big heavy heavy strength block. I would have thought. Well, that's the thing with with my deadlift. I was still doing a lot of strength movements like the the landmine rotational twist, like heavy suitcase carries, uh, heavy payoff presses, and these are all supplementary exercises that people don't show on Instagram or show on YouTube that really help towards pulling that big number on the deadlift. So if you go to pull and one side slightly stronger than the other and, and you lift up slightly more one way, if you don't have that core stability to, to keep you tight, you'll you pull up one way and that's how you tweak it back on, a, on an exercise like a deadlift. So those exercises contribute so much to me being able to pull that 250 kilo deadlift, but it's exercises that people sort of ignore, like a windmill suitcase carry. I just mentioned them all before, but yeah, those supplementary exercises really make a difference to you hitting those bigger numbers, especially with your squat, deadlift, bench, etc. Yeah, for sure. And it gives you a bit of variety as well when you're, when you're training. Not always just going in there, just doing the bench, dead and squat. Yeah. I, I guess powerlifters, they may be like in a different mindset, but yeah, you, you want to have a bit of fun when you're in the gym at least. like It's good hitting those numbers, but man, just going in there every day doing that can get quite tedious unless you're like full on into it so yeah yeah and obviously it helps helps in yeah. uh increase the absolutely numbers yeah, yeah so so my, my training at the moment is all about mobility and improving my ability so i really like that atg split squat popularized by uh ben patrick yeah. i really like that for my right ankle in particular and done correctly you should feel it in your your back hip flexor um I really like doing Kozak squats at the moment, really opening up my hips, which in turn should help with a squat when I reintroduce the squat. Um, I'm doing a, a high heel elevated front squat at the moment. So these are just all exercises that it's all about movement So take and, and mobility. So taking my body through a full range of motion whilst under load So and continue to work on those Nordic curls. I'm determined oh. to hit one body weight by the end of the year. How, did you take them out for a little bit, did you? Or? Yeah, I took I took them out of this block. They're so taxing on that knee joint, man. Mm-hmm. So I took them out while I was focusing on the on the big dead because I didn't want any trouble with that knee. So was it reverse Nordics? Did you say? I do both. So I've got both of them in this in this current block. I, mm-hmm. I love both of them. Mm-hmm. Both 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 are great for the knee. So, but there was lots of things that like I I wasn't doing. So I wasn't doing like leg extensions. Um, again, not necessarily necessary if I'm just going for a big squat like. My, my quads aren't being trained in that shortened position, so I don't really need them. Um, but I've reintroduced them. I love the feel of them. It's probably why I've got such big VMO. <laughs> it's just because I used to hammer leg extensions. Um, but yeah, training went well, and now now I'm in a fat loss phase and pulled away a thousand calories from my diet. Now everyone's like a thousand calories. That's a shitload. Not really when you're eating four thousand five hundred. <laughs> like no. it's it's not that many. But how I go about pulling a thousand calories away from my diet is just have smaller portions of my carbohydrate sources and my fat sources. So instead of as much peanut butter, I'll just have half the amount. Instead of 150 grams of rice, I'll just have half the amount. Like It's pretty simple. The only one that stays the same is that protein. If, if anything, I, I slightly elevated my protein. So I increased my protein by 10 grams. That's just because protein is muscle sparing and 
I don't want to lose the muscle that I've worked so hard over the last 12 weeks to gain. Mm. <laughs> what, um, how long are you going to be doing this fat loss phase for? Are you putting a time limit on it? Or? Nah, nah. That's, that, my answer was going to be however long I, I, I feel, but it'll probably be four to six weeks. So I fasted Sunday, so I didn't eat for 36 hours. Um, and naturally, I lost. Fine. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't remote because I was so fueled beforehand. I wasn't remotely hungry. The only time I got hungry when is the time that I would be usually eating dinner. And that's probably just because of uh, Gremlin, the the Gremlin. (laughs) Um, That's probably the only reason why I got hungry then. And yeah, I just went for a walk and, and that solved that problem. Um, Mm. But yeah, fast, fast went fine. Naturally dropped two and a half, two and a half kilos in two days. So I dropped 2.2 the first day and then 0.3 the next day. But did I lose 2.2 kilos of fat? No, I didn't lose 2.2 kilos of fat. I likely lost a shitload of water, a shitload of glycogen in the muscle. Um, Eating less food. Yeah, as well. yeah less, food, less food volume in the stomach. Like It's not magic or rocket science. It's just <laughs> consuming less food. So naturally, I lost weight. Mm. Yeah, it'd be a good feeling after not having, like, after eating so much for so long. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've noticed straight away with my... Uh, or a ring that my sleep has already improved like two nights with less food. Like it's crazy. My resting heart rate has come down. So that's another thing I'll probably be working on over the next probably eight to 12 weeks is improving my cardio. So I'm not going to be like going out there, pounding the pavement, doing running, but I'm making sure I do the assault bike much more often. I'm jumping on the rower and it's just like little Metcons at the end of my resistance training. So just to increase that aerobic capacity. That you've lost for so long. Yeah, because of in between sets of 10 to 12, I'm like, (gasps) (laughs) yeah, it's it's important to get some cardio in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That recovery in between sets, if you can recover faster in between sets, then you can give more during your sets. So Mm, that's what we want. Yeah, don't lift more weight. Yeah, don't think cardio is killing your gains because it's certainly not, unless you're doing like a marathon every day. Yeah. Or if you're like, Running, running right beforehand, like doing a 5K and then yeah, <laughs> going yeah, straight yeah. into your training. Uh, speaking of something kind of kind of on that cardio aspect, there's a mechanic from Australia that recently broke the world push-up record and he did over 5,000 push-ups in an hour. Holy shit. We do <laughs> work that out to me like, every minute. <laughs> So I've I've got the maths here. He yeah. he did 50, 51 push ups every minute. Jesus! And what? He sorry, just kept going or three thousand one hundred and eighty two push ups in an hour. So I was a bit off when I said five thousand. Uh, yeah, 50, a little. <laughs> Fifty one push ups every minute for a solid hour. Um, Twenty eight years old, and the cool thing about it was he also broke the plank record last year when he planked for nine and a half hours so he's got a bit of uh bit of cardio and willpower about him that fella (laughs) and he's he's just just a mechanic mate just a mechanic from australia is he but yeah yeah, just a mechanic from oz so us us aussies we're bred tough that's it man um the, the cool part is he's got this um disease called complex regional pain syndrome and he's had it since he was 12 he broke his arm so his brain tells him that he's got pain in his left arm like all the time so he's doing push-ups, and as soon as he gets a little pain in his body, it really intensifies in his left arm. So it's so a it's very just, yeah. 
used to very, used to the pain, is he? Or? Yeah, so I'm assuming that's why he's so good. Like his pain threshold will be through the roof because his brain is just telling him your arm's broken, your arm's broken. So he's got this pain signal all the time. So that's probably why he's like, yeah, nine and a half hour plank, no worries, mate. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Three thousand one hundred eighty-two push-ups in an hour, no problem. <laughs> that is ridiculous, man. Like when I was doing my 50, push-ups, fifty-one times, a minute. Yeah, I know. Fifty-one a minute. That's crazy. Like it's nuts. Okay. <laughs> I was actually like um on the on the weekend we went out to um one of my partner's friends like they were doing their renewals of their valves and stuff and we were down the beach at um this bar really nice bar like a rooftop bar kind of thing and um I was talking to this like lady and she was like talking about uh, like going through my Instagram and stuff. So, oh, you did push-up challenge. She's like, all right, let's go down right now. So she she was like matching me one for one for push-ups. And then like right near the end, she was like, obviously like slowing down a lot. And then I started doing clap push-ups. And then so I, I better then. And then her mom comes in and then starts going at it. And she's like full like into bodybuilding and everything. And I'd done like 20 already. And she's like, come on, let's go. I'm, like, I'm wrecked already just by doing this. <laughs> it was so funny. There wasn't much room, but yeah, it just reminds me of that. Like, gotta love it. Anyone can get down and do some push-ups here and there. Like, even in London, yeah. doing a few <laughs> in the tube station. With Farrah. <laughs> like, but but 3,000 an hour, not everyone can nah, do that. That's, that's crazy. That's, that's a crazy amount. No, I so, don't Ridiculous. <laughs> so, other impressive Aussie feats. The King, Nick Kyrgios, making the Wimbledon final. Now, what's your what's your take or opinion on King Kyrgios? Oh, I love him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's great, mate. Brings a bit of a uh, bit of energy and a bit of like because te- tennis, like on the best of days, isn't like the best to watch. Really, it's a bit um, dry. Yeah, it's a little dry, like going back and forth, back and forth. Like, um, so he, you know, he he does some unorthodox moves, which I really enjoy. Um, but yeah, like get he got into the final because was it Nadal? He yeah, hurt himself. N- so N- Nadal hurt himself. Yeah, yeah. So who knows if he would have even beaten Nadal? But either or, he he won the first set, didn't he? And then the last yeah, three, he looked re- looked red hot. Yeah. Oh, like some of the he's like got the best serve. If if I'm honest, like smashes it, dude. Like, yeah, I, I was watching it right because it was like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. I was like, oh, I gotta go to bed after this. Like, just watching the first set, but he was just absolutely slicing it. But then, yeah, you can't beat Djokovic, really. He's, he's one <laughs> of the greats. Yeah, do you like him? Yeah. Oh, I love him, man. Mm. Like, he, yes, he's polarizing, but he's just unapolog- unapologetically him. And I love that. And, and sure, he may have wore red Jordans on the court and he may have wore a red hat and broken a few rules. And I can see why that would upset a lot of people. But the amount of people that it's drawing to the sport that are not usually into the sport, yes, it may turn some people away, but it's drawing a lot more eyes to the sport than than what it's turning away, in my opinion. Also, <laughs> he's... Uh, He's just he's just unique like he's so crazy talented and he just he's almost like he doesn't doesn't care. So I believe he said during the tournament that there's a reason why he doesn't have a coach and it's just because he wouldn't listen to him. <laughs> doesn't he have a coach? He doesn't have a coach. He hasn't had oh, a coach for 5 years. He I just trains himself. 
Yeah, he doesn't have a coach. He just trains himself. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. what's so that's what's so crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, yeah, I got that's... even more respect for him now. Right? <laughs> Although it is important to have a coach, but I guess he wouldn't. Yeah. And the reason why is he's like, nah, I wouldn't put someone through that. Because he because he obviously knows that he's a bit of hard work. But well, at yeah, least he's, he's self aware enough to know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You see, see him complain about the lady in the front row. Oh, it's the like, one that had like yeah. 700 drinks. <laughs> yeah. He said it in such an Aussie accent too. He's like, the one up there, the one that looks like she's had about 700 drinks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Uh, he's uh, yeah, he brings he's quality. He's sport, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he brings lots of ice. He brings lots of ice to the sport. And it's, he's, he's, being himself and he's not that robotic interview like a lot of the players is just like Australian yeah it was a great match really a lot of respect for my opponent whereas he's just like to, for one he very rarely gets asked questions about his match it's usually about his blow-ups what he's wearing his personal life mm. so his interviews are completely different and yeah he's just he's just him and good on him for being unapologetically him more people should be like that definitely love or hate him is bringing some good stuff to the sport, I think. Absolutely. All right, move away from from sport and into a bit of a uh, bit of science. So I'm going to bring a couple of studies to your uh, your attention. Now I eat salmon every Wednesday. I love my salmon night, and uh, there's a little bit of study here to support me. <laughs> Eating oily fish like salmon may cut risk of developing Alzheimer's by nearly fifty percent. Now they put this down to the omega three. DHA in the salmon and yeah it's just more evidence of why you should be consuming omega-3s and eating some oily oily fish every now and then yeah if you like oily fish that is <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's very important for brain health and yeah there's countless studies especially yeah they say why well, at least one or two servings of some oily fish a week is is getting you getting you set for your omegas which is very very important <clears throat> And um, I don't know if there's much difference between the farm farm fish and the Atlantic fish and that. They've still got their omega-3s in there. I think that might be like a little bit like blown out of proportion when people are like, oh, it's farmed, like and don't have it. Like, oh, yeah, you'd rather have like a pill instead of an actual fish. Like I don't see the logic there. <laughs> it's like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that whole naturalistic fallacy of, oh, if it's not natural, like can't have it kind of thing but they're taking a pill. So I never really got that. But yeah, have your fish for sure. <laughs> well, it's just like uh, not having eggs because they're the cage. You're still better off having eggs because they're cage compared to free range. Yes, it's not great for the chicken and that's why the quality of the egg isn't as good. But yeah, if, if you're that worried about it, vote with your dollars and buy the stuff that you want to see more of in the shop. So if you want to see more, more free range eggs, then Buy free range eggs. So I only buy free range eggs. Yeah. Um, if you want to, if you want to see more Atlantic salmon, fresh Atlantic salmon, wild caught, whatever they <laughs> wild call it, <laughs> Atlantic. <laughs> then buy that kind. So then you're voting with your dollars. The more money you're spending on that, it's like, oh, hang on, more people are buying this product, therefore I'll buy more of it. Same with like grass-fed beef. If you want more grass-fed beef in the shop, then vote with your dollars and buy more grass-fed beef. So, yeah, if you have the money too, obviously. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, there's nothing wrong with buying normal. Like, yeah, yeah. 
you, you, it's, you're still doing good for your body. It's not like, oh, I'm putting this poison in my body. No, yeah. it's, it's still still good for you. Yeah, I'll get a packaged so, veggie burger instead. Like, no, <laughs> just no. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Okay, staying on the, the brain health. Um, this is on dementia and strokes. And it's sunshine could ward off dementia and strokes. And it's the first ever direct link to vitamin D and, and its benefits on our health. Now, this was a study done by your people, mate, the University of South Australia. Let's go, boys Shout- or girls or both. <laughs> Whatever you go by. Shout out to the Bradleyanians. And it was done on 300,000 people from the UK. Now, obviously, us having lived in the UK, we know there is sweet fuck all sunshine. So probably a good place to run the study. And yeah, uh, vitamin D were associated with lower brain volumes and in a decreased risk of dementia and stroke. So if you can get some sun, get some sun. If you can't get some sun, might be beneficial to supplement with vitamin D provided that you aren't already higher in vitamin D. So potentially go get your bloods done. I get mine done every six months for that reason. Yeah, nothing, nothing's going to be getting out in the sun for sure. Like, that's just your, your number one source. And even if it is cloudy, you still get a lot of lux coming through the, the rays, um, even more than like your bright lights in your living room. So even if it's like five, 10 minutes in the morning, if you can, because I know in the UK when it is winter, it's pretty like when it was getting dark, so like 3.34 or something. And then the sun's not up to like, what, eight? So there's not a lot of sunlight. <laughs> and obviously there are other areas around the world too that, that have that problem with the rays not go, going into the into the country. So yeah, it is important. If you can, get out and get some sun for sure. Yeah. So sp- speaking of sun, this is I haven't got any study on this one. But I read during the week they've developed artificial sunlight that can help plants with photosynthesis. <laughs> Oh, really? I don't know. I, I don't know how they've done it, but they're they're thinking it could be revolutionary for like um, mass producing vegetables, crops, and stuff like that. Because oh, yeah. of yeah, sunlight. So that was that was pretty cool. Just us talking about sunlight just refreshed that in my brain, and I was like, oh, I might mention that. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you have like grow lights and stuff for weed and shit? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, but this is like some form of like uh, I don't know, some form of like actual like sunlight. Yeah, okay. yeah, helps helps with photosynthesis. But there is grow lights for yeah weed, and there's mass-produced warehouses and farms. Yeah, they can yeah. learn a thing or two from the growers. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, anything else that you wanna? Oh yeah, there was just like, bring up. Yeah, there was a study um, looking at um, mice and curing like well, not curing, but just like lowering their like pain tolerance with music which I found pretty cool. Like, and it didn't really matter what kind of music it was. Let me see if I can. It was more so like the the, low, the lower levels of it. So like if they blasted music, it wouldn't do anything. But like they did three types of music. And then if it was just, just low enough to a certain, I guess, sound, then it would lower their their pain. And they just, they basically like inflamed one of their, their pores and stuff and then they did some crazy science to figure out whether there's like inflammation and shit and then that would lower it down so don't don't quote me on exactly what happened and how they did it but i thought that was pretty cool um doing doing that on mice and they may potentially look at something and the mechanistic reasoning of like maybe 
curing sound with with humans with with pain as well um i know it definitely sets you in a different different mindset when you're listening to music like you could start your day really good if you like listen to a certain song or just put on some random music everyone knows like as soon as the sun come a, a song comes on and you and you like it and you're like oh, fuck yeah this just put me in a so much better mood and you may forget about your pain or whatever so i think there's definitely something to it um they haven't done it on humans yet so this is obviously all preliminary and that but i think that was that was pretty cool to be honest freed from desire on repeat hey got to do it hey <laughs> yeah nah, that that that'd be pretty cool especially for people training like if there's a specific type of music you can listen to that can lower your pain, your threshold. pain threshold and then you can push through burn or pain a little bit further mm. and get get closer to true failure then hell yeah hell yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah because wasn't there like um also people that can't speak but they can actually sing have you heard of that it's no nah, i haven't cool i know i know Gifford's that when you sing type. you lose your accent yeah it's tight Gifford's type of brain damage. So people who street struggle to speak words but can easily sing them. I guess the simplest way to explain it is the left hemisphere is very specialized for speaking. So, yeah, I heard that a while ago that they can't really speak, but if they sing it, it's all good. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah pretty Imagine cool, having right? a conversation with someone and everything they sing back at you. <laughs> Yeah, just another thing, not on speaking, but like more so um, with the mice and rats and stuff. Did you know that um, rats actually can laugh? No, I did not know that. So they they tickle rats and they they um, have like a supersonic kind of laugh, like giggle kind of thing when they tickle them. <laughs> and shit. I thought that was pretty cool as well. Because if you think that they're just not doing much, but yeah, they laugh. So... I think that was pretty fun. The more, the more you know with Bradley Duffer on, on rats, right. and rats, rats, mice, music, and laughing. It's all right. <laughs> get away from that science shit, mate. That's for later. <laughs> all right. Let's get stuck into some, uh, some listeners' questions, hey? Yeah, let's do it. Question number one. What foods do you recommend eating to lose fat? Ones you enjoy. <laughs> That's the biggest one I'm going to tell you right now. There's so many foods out there. Obviously, you can go for the you know, high nutrient, high volume foods are going to take up a lot of space in your stomach. That's going to stop you from getting too hungry. But it's like you, you need to be eating foods that you enjoy so it doesn't feel like a diet because that's the worst thing. It's like, all right, this is my plan. I'm going to eat these meals because, you know, they're quote unquote low calorie, really clean foods that people have told me to eat because that's what you eat when you're, when you're dieting. But if you don't enjoy them, you're going to be like, fuck this. I don't want these foods anymore and then just go off the diet and then just ruin all your progress. So make up a list of all the, all the foods that you enjoy and then create meals around that um, to fit into your calories and macronutrients and you'll be golden. Obviously there's like, um, yeah, like I said before, high volume foods that are really going to help with that satiety and hunger um, and obviously keeping your protein up high. But yeah, it's really independent and with what you want like I could tell you a food and you might not even like it. So it's it's really important just to understand that you need to actually enjoy the foods. Yes, you're going to get hungry, but like if you're not enjoying, if it's not like a fuck yes, then it's a hell no. Yeah. So just just remember that when you're when you go on. It's like like I in in my journey right now. I've I pulled the brakes with the dining because my head's just not in it at the moment. So that and that's fine. 
so maybe in a month or two I'll get back into it and and yeah so long-winded answer for just fucking whatever you want (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I agree next question (laughs) (laughs) no like if if someone comes to you and let's say you hate vegetables and hate fruit and someone says to you oh go vegan It'll help you lose fat. It's probably not going to be beneficial for you. Or if you can't stand meat and someone comes to you and goes, oh, carnivore is the way to lose fat. And you're like, I can't stand any meat though. Like it's it's got to be foods that you enjoy for it to be sustainable. So I touched on earlier how I've pulled a thousand calories away from my diet. I literally just am eating, I'm eating the exact same foods, exactly the same. It's just less peanut butter, less rice, uh, less banana in a smoothie. Like it's just smaller portions of the, the carb-rich meals. So Make sure it's foods that you enjoy. Otherwise, you're going to end up hating your diet, hating yourself, fall off the wagon, and yeah, no bueno. <laughs> no bueno. <laughs> okay, question number two. Why are you so anti-cardio? Shit. Absolutely <laughs> shit. <laughs> I fucking hate it. That's why. <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's, it's great. It is, it, it is great in the sense of for your heart health um, and just keeping those sets going when you're doing above eight reps. <laughs> but there's nothing worse for me than to go, oh, I'm just going to go for a run now. Like, I, I can't think of anything worse, to be honest. I'm not anti-cardio. I'm just anti, let's do this form of exercise to try and lose weight. If people are trying to tell me like, that's, oh, what do you want to do to lose weight? Oh, I'll just go for a run. It's like that. that's not in my arsenal because I know that I can just adjust my nutrition, which is the highest thing that you can do. Um, and, and it's like, I know it, it can be hard for some people because they're like, I love food. I'll just go for a run, but it doesn't really work in that easy in that kind of way. And we spoke about this many times on the podcast about creating that calorie deficit. It's a lot easier pulling from food than trying to increase your activity, um, to create that deficit. So I'm not anti-cardio. I'm just anti things that I don't like doing. <laughs> so and I'm not going to like say to you like, oh, yeah, cardio is amazing. Like do it even if you don't like it. Like that's not how we coach. Um, I know it's definitely not how, how I coach and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not how you coach either. It's like if someone's not going to stick to something, like then they're not going to do it. And you, you can have like the best program set out for someone, but that if, if they don't like it and they're not going to do it, then it's definitely not the best program for them. So that's all I've got to say about that. God damn. <laughs> yeah I literally talked about earlier how I was going to be improving my cardio so I'd like to think that that proves that I am not anti-cardio I'm anti-people hurting themselves and taking less efficient ways to reach their goal cardio is a least efficient way of reaching your goal so I want people to get to their goal as quickly and as sustainably as possible and cardio isn't going to help someone achieve that especially people that are type A doing crazy amount of hit classes burning the candle at both ends, like pump the brakes, do less work, focus on resistance training, treat your body well, much more sustainable long-term. But I am not anti-cardio. I'm pro-cardio used in the right setting and it's just often used and abused terribly. So Yeah, unless you're going for like a marathon or actually working yeah, yeah, up yeah. to something that involves cardio, then yeah, go go right ahead. But when we when we speak about like general fat loss or even muscle building like you you use it like sparingly throughout and not just like every day i'm going for a run to try and lose weight or something like that yeah yeah it's it's 
I've it's very rare that someone goes, I'm gonna go for a run and I'm just gonna go cruisy four K six uh, six minute pace for four K. Like that that's that's very rare. You're just like I'm gonna smash myself, push as hard as I can, try and get a PB like every single time. And yes, you can also do that in the gym with resistance training, but there's a there's a higher skill involved and there's a higher risk of injury. So people are less likely to do that. Whereas when someone goes for a run, they're not really learning the skill of running and it requires a lot of skill. It's not just something that's very easy to do. There's the way your, your foot lands, the way like it's, I think it's a foot strike and then coming off and the way you bend your knee and flick up and drive with a hamstring and push through. And like, it's, it's a very skillful maneuver that people just think they can just go and willingly do. So yeah, yeah definitely, and- definitely not anti cardio, anti running, like your, your joints pounding the pavement, not a, not a big fan of running. But that, that's why I said before, I'm going to jump on the rower, I'm going to jump on the assault bike, and I'm going to look to improve my cardiovascular health. So I'm, I'm definitely not anti-cardio, I'm pro-cardio, just used in the right setting, and most people don't use it in the right setting. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number three. How do I stay on track when going to gatherings and social events? Yes. Now, this is a big one. I know uh, back in the day, um, I did bring my own food. That was like, because I was very regimented. Like, um, I would actually bring Tupperware and stuff to, to places. I was never, I never brought it to like a dinner. So I wasn't that bad. I knew someone that had done that. And that's a little excessive if you're just trying to do a normal fat loss. If you're a bodybuilder, totally different, but you really can't be putting yourself in those situations. Um, that's just not smart because you kind of like, unless it's like very important. So when you go into gatherings and you are, say, in a fat loss phase or something um, and you see all the shit, usually like I would have a shake or a piece of fruit before I go to a place like that um, because then it's kind of curved off that initial craving or hunger that you have going into it. Like a lot of people might go, oh, I've, um, you know, haven't eaten anything all day and absolutely starving and then you just go overboard with all the, all the shit that's at the party or gatherings and stuff like that. So I like to have like a shake or a bit of fruit beforehand. So it kind of like, okay, I've pretty well nearly hit my protein. So I can have um, some some good meats and um, some good veggies and then maybe some treats afterwards. And I'm not going to overindulge with stuff like that. Um, so I think it's very important. Like you could, you could, you could fast, but I probably wouldn't suggest fasting. Like you could maybe just go smaller meal in the morning, smaller meal at night, and then have your, or whatever it is structured around that meal um, and then kind of have what's called like calorie banking. So even the next day or the before before the day that you're actually going to maybe eat more or drink more or something, you could maybe reduce a few calories from the day before and the day after and it kind of evens out at the end because um, there's nothing worse than going to a party and going, no, nah, I don't want that kind of thing, especially if it's a cake, even though I don't really like cake. But I'm just going to use this analogy of like it's a lot more healthier than Having, having the cake with your friends and family mentally than it is like to say no um, because you're like on this strict kind of diet where it's like you could have planned a little bit better to help you um, be more connected with family, especially if you love cake or especially if like if it's your grandma's favorite apple pie or crumble or whatever, you know, you're just like, yeah, I want me some of that. I know I'm going to have that and I know it's a good, good amount of calories. So I'm going to save those calories or I'm just going to, yeah, um, not eat so much of the other shit so yeah think of think of not just like the health component of like putting in your body more more like the the social aspect of of your friends and family and really 
enjoying their company and enjoying the food and drinks with with everyone else. So it's, it's not just I can't have that because it's not good for my body. It's like there's a lot of other areas that you need to look at, especially when it comes to certain gatherings like this. Yep, I totally agree with everything you just said. I'm going to give people three tangible ways that they can control what they eat around social gatherings. The first one you touched on is you can bank calories days leading up to. So let's say you pull away 300 calories for three or four days before, and that gives you a 1200 calorie buffer on that day. And you can go and you can virtually eat whatever you like because you bank 1200 calories. If you then go and eat 2400 calories, then just pull away 300 the next four days after. Now, again, not recommending this because this can create a, a binge eating mentality because you're pulling away and then binging. But if it's for a social event, I don't know, let's say Christmas, then yeah, I, I'd recommend that. Um, if it's just going out and having a meal with with friends or, or date night or and you, you want to save calories for that, have a light breakfast, a light lunch or skip breakfast, light lunch. Make sure you eat something before you go though because you don't want to be completely fasted and then go there and be like, yes, I can finally eat and then you just eat all the foods. And the third one is just don't stay on track. Like don't. Just eat the food, enjoy the food, get back on track the next day. Like it's don't don't overcomplicate it unless you're a bodybuilder trying to compete and and have a, a show day coming up or you've got a photo shoot for a paying job coming up then like don't don't track eat mm. the food get back on track the next day like mm. don't overthink it like live your life memories over macros <laughs> it's it's yeah that's a good one i i love it man like i just you can not eat obviously don't be a dickhead and fucking eat everything but like you're like i'm gonna try a bit of that i'm gonna try a bit of that like it's fine. You don't even yeah put it in my fitness power. So how much do you think that is? Like that can be a bit over. What do you call it? overzealous or yeah over the top? Over the top, definitely yeah. a little bit over the top there. So and we don't want that, and that can create a disordered eating, which is not what we want. So we speak about the unconditional permission to eat anything you want, just not everything. So if you're going in there and you're like, oh. I might have a bit of that. Oh, no, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. That's when you got to really think like, no, you can definitely have that. But right now I'm choosing not to have that because maybe it's not going with my goals or you go right now. Yes, I do want this. So it's fine. Like don't, don't beat yourself up over little things like that. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. With, with that point of that, I touched on of just don't track, like I'm not saying just eat all the foods. Uh, you still want to be mindful of what you're eating and, and have your long-term goals just in the, in the back of your mind, but yeah, just don't, don't say no to something like it. Let's say you use cake as an example. Let's say you take a bite of the cake and you're like, Oh, this cake isn't that good. Then maybe stop eating <laughs> the cake and don't eat the rest of the cake. <laughs> or let's say you start, start a meal and you're like, Oh, I've saved calories for this. And you start eating it. And you're like, Oh, it's not that good. Then don't finish the meal. Like, yeah, you can. And then you've created a larger deficit and you might lose more weight when you wake up the next morning. Like, yeah. yeah, just 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 be mindful of what you're eating and taste and everything like that. The yeah, whole situation. Yeah, exactly. I think it could be like maybe the way you've been brought up of like you got to finish your food kind of thing on your plate. Yeah. It's like thanks, mate. thanks, mum. I know you're listening. Thanks for that, mum. You can't leave the table till you eat all your food. No dessert till you eat all your food. Now I can't not eat all my food. Thank you, mum. That's why you got to portion it out, mate. That's why you got to portion it out. <laughs> okay. Question number four, and this ties in beautifully with the uh, mechanic from Australia. How do I get my first push-up? Well, you might have to ask the mechanic from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Just have some disease in your arm. I don't know. Yeah. 
So, well, obviously, the easiest way that I can explain it is you got to start on an absolute incline. So, the higher up you are, the easier it is going to be for you to reach your first push-up. So, in the gym, if your gym has a Smith machine, I absolutely love using the Smith machine because it's so easy to just move the bar up or down either way. So, you just start off, just do, you can start off with some 10 reps and then lower it each time until you're all the way down to the bottom. It will take a while because um, you, but it's like you're practicing the movement. I don't suggest people going on their knees. Um, just, I just don't like that. doesn't feel like an actual push-up. So that's why I prefer to go on an incline. And you could do it, um, I guess, in a squat rack with a normal bar. Um, you could find at home, you could go on a kitchen bench, on the table, on just look at things that are going to be lower each time. So then you're increasing that. Um, uh, working with negatives as well. So even just getting into the push-up position there you are, and then just lowering yourself all the way down, and then just getting up back back up again with like your knees or whatever, and then lowering yourself. So you're just getting used to your own weight um, under load, and then over time, you'll you'll get stronger muscles and get stronger, uh, bigger muscles as well. <laughs> um, and then yeah, even if you lose, like if you're carrying a lot of weight, obviously that's going to be a lot harder. So maybe you could drop some weight as well. But the easiest one is it's yeah, just lowering it each time. And then working on some negatives. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you don't like from the knees as well. I, I don't like from the knees as a way to get someone to their first push up. No. So the the push up is a plank first. So when you're doing a push up, you're actually holding a plank, and you've got to keep that core contracted. By lowering the knees, you're you're really shortening the moment arm, and and you're not really holding that plank position. So you want to train the push up as though you're doing the plank as well. I really like the incline. And I really like the negative. So you start in your push-up position, lower yourself right the way to the floor, then do the push-up from your knees because you can do that and then lift your knees back up and then lower yourself back down to the floor, do your push-up from your knees, etc. You can also tie a band around your chest and have the band attached to something above you and it can give you some resistance in helping you pull up. So that's, a, that's another method you can try there. But yeah, maybe the mechanic from, from down under. Maybe, I'd have maybe to get him on. <laughs> But yeah, the, the Smith machine is, is the simplest and easiest oh. is set it on a high incline and just gradually lower yourself until you're, until you're on the floor and pumping them out. It's great. It's absolutely great. You just go 10, 10 all the way down and then you get it because you get some volume in as well. It's yeah. just using, getting the skill of it because when people haven't done a push-up, they don't actually know the proper skill of actually doing it. So getting on that incline, you're actually getting a proper push-up in just like it's just higher up. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Some people might not know. <laughs> all right. So that's it for all of our uh, questions. Now, if you want any of your questions answered in the future, make sure you're following us at brain.body.movement, at Brad Dapper, and at Brock underscore Dalgleish. And you can ask us questions whenever we pop up a sticker box or you can send us a DM. But that's a wrap for today's episode. We just want to say thank you so much for listening to us. If you enjoyed or took any value at all from this episode, we would really appreciate it if you took a screenshot and shared to your Instagram stories. We would also love it if you shared with family and friends and left us a five-star review. Also, don't forget to turn on post notifications so you don't miss an episode. But before we go, if we can leave you with a few things, make your damn bed, get your steps in, and be kind to one another. Cheers. Cheers.